Hello, everyone. Welcome. We've, we're, I'm just so excited. We've got Gary White with us today. He's the CEO of Water.org and Water Equity. We're talking about impact investing for water. Holy cow, this is a great time to be a water investor. So stick around. You don't want to miss this episode. Welcome to the Your Mark on the World show with your champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. This episode is made possible via the support of our sponsors, including Johnson & Johnson's Caring Crowd. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks, Devin. Well, it's exciting to have you back, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm excited to talk about impact investing for water. This is really something that you innovated in the last couple of years, uh, but you're really starting to scale it up now. Tell us about it. Yeah, we've, we've made a lot of progress since we spoke last, Devin, I think, uh, in the context of, of social impact investing in, in water and sanitation. And with water equity, which we spun off from, from water.org, uh, we have now uh, closed uh, two funds, done the first close on our second fund just about a month ago. Uh, that's uh, a $50 million fund. We closed the first round at $33 million. And then two years ago, we had already closed a fund at $11 million, and that's been out there having impact already. That fund has already reached 300,000 people with access to, to water and sanitation. It's very exciting. There is, um, I think, an important uh, aspect here, and that is that most people in the world, even at very low incomes, are willing to pay something for water and sanitation. And the trick is to make it affordable, right? Right, right. Well, and I think that there's some, some really interesting forces that, that cause us to believe that this can work, that we can help you know, the more than 2 billion people who lack access to water and sanitation through small, affordable loans. Uh, as you may know, over the past couple of decades, more than 2 billion people have come out of extreme poverty. And one of the first things that you wanna do when you come out of extreme poverty is improve your water and sanitation solution because it's either costing you huge amounts in terms of your health, uh, time spent walking to collect water, you could be converting to a paying job. Uh, people in urban areas actually pay cash to water vendors because they don't have a house connection. And that can be up to 25% of their income. So you have all these people now out, coming out of extreme poverty that want to, to pursue this. Uh, I think the other thing you have is uh, these coping costs, right? So uh, if you look at it, between two and $300 billion are expended every year in terms of coping costs because people don't have access to safe and reliable water and sanitation. And most of that's paid on uh, the part of the poor. And so there's already this money in the system that we just need to, to redirect. I think the third thing that is a good reason to believe why we can solve this crisis is we've never had such a concentration of wealth in the world, and particularly in the United States right now. And that wealth wants to do good with it. You have you know things like the giving pledge where people have pledged to give their money away, but they wanna do it in smart and scalable ways. And I think that's where water equity and our funds come in. If people can invest and drive water and sanitation to people living in poverty, while also getting a financial return on that investment, it becomes a win-win and it becomes inherently scalable. It is interesting to me, sort of, a, you know, in the world of these sort of uh, de international development facts, if you will, mm -hmm. 
there are only about 700 million people who still meet the definition of extreme poverty. And mm -hmm. it's roughly the same number that lack access to clean water. Right. But as you point out, more than 2 billion still lack access mm. to sanitation. Yeah. And it's so incredibly important. It, it's almost crazy to think about uh, people who are, you know, as you say, rising out of extreme poverty, and yet they still don't have a place to use the bathroom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why is that such a lagging mm -hmm. thing? And what are the key solutions to that problem? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of governments around the world are investing a lot in public health awareness. The government of India is, is a great example and trying to point out to, uh, you know, the populations in their countries why it's so important to, to curtail this practice of, of open defecation. Uh, UNICEF does a lot in terms of, of raising awareness about this and doing what they would call, and others call demand generation. So really getting people to uh, see the need to change and to, to build toilets. And the, the thing is that there's oftentimes not the financial ability to do that. If it costs you two or $300 to build a toilet, uh, you don't have that money in your pocket today. You can't get it done no matter how much you want to. And that's where I think water credit comes in. Uh, despite the name, water credit is also loans to poor households for improvements in sanitation and toilets, as well as water filters. And so that's the key. And what we've done with water credit using philanthropic capital is to go out and create this network of more than 100 microfinance institutions and kind of done handholding with them to get them to understand how do you loan for water connections and toilets because it's something new to them. And so it's this network of partners around the world that's actually, uh, we're helping de-risk this for them so that they will make these loans. And so now you fast forward, Water Credit has served more than 16 million people with these small loans. And just this year, we surpassed a billion dollars in capital that's gone into these loans from the capital market. So what we're doing is we're using our philanthropy to kind of correct this market failure that allows the commercial capital and investors for, from water equity, for instance, to come through and bring the, these loans to bear. And I should also point out that, you know, more than 70% of the people that get these loans are living on less than $3 a day. So these still are people who are very poor yet they don't have uh, the means to, to solve this on their own. So we just want to be a catalyst in that. It's, a, it's fascinating work. So if we're talking about um, water equity, mm -hmm. uh, money comes in from uh, wealthy investors, mm -hmm. um, some of whom might be friends of Matt Damon. Yeah, right? and Matt himself, partner. actually. And Matt himself invests. Okay, so, uh, so you've got some of that money that comes in Tell us about a typical deal structure that you use with that you do with that money. What mm -hmm. happens exactly? Yeah, well, so as I mentioned, water.org is, is the philanthropic side of, of what we do. And water.org uses philanthropic capital that comes in to to mentor, to work with, to de-risk these uh, these loan portfolios for microfinance institutions. And so those MFIs, they go to the capital markets to raise the capital to scale up these these loan portfolios and these loans actually repay at 99% I should point out as well so there's this amazing underlying asset of, of really hundreds of thousands or millions of these loans that are out there and so what water equity does is says okay 
these partners of water.org really require uh, capital that's a little bit more affordable uh, and it's more reliable than they're getting right now. And if they get that capital, then they can scale up even more dramatically. So what water equity does is raises that capital from uh, accredited investors to this point. And then we, we bundle that and we actually extend loans to some of these microfinance partners so that they can reach even more people with water and sanitation. And then of course, we're getting uh, an interest uh, payment on that from our partners. And then we use that to make distributions to the investors. So our first fund, uh, which closed about two years ago, we've already made the initial distribution on that to investors of, of 3.6%. And we anticipate being able to continue to do that over the life of that seven year fund. And then uh, if this continues to go as expected, return the principal to investors. So I think, I think given the risk profile, we would agree that your investors in this fund have sort of taken this as a, um, there's a philanthropic motivation mm -hmm. that, yeah. that covers a gap between what they might have earned in a fully risk adjusted market rate return yeah. and what yeah. they're gonna get from their water equity investment. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's safe to say. I think as we continue to refine the model, uh, we might be able to cross that threshold of a true risk-adjusted return. But for right now, as we, you know, we're the first ones to do this in the context of water and sanitation. So of course we're we're learning a lot, but I think we're getting it right from the start. Uh, and you also have to look at this from the perspective of who some of those investors are, right? Some of them are, are foundations like the Hilton Foundation the Skoll Foundation, but you also have Bank of America and, and others involved. And to them, they want to have the social impact for sure. Uh, and the next best alternative for them uh, to, you know, the water equity investment is to give the money away, right, as pure philanthropy. And so if you look at that as kind of like what's, what's in second place, then a muted financial return with huge social impact still looks very attractive. Yeah. Now let's talk about the other end of this. And we, we've talked about it a little bit, but I want to drill down on, on the, the, the end consumer that mm -hmm. is, for instance, borrowing $250 to install a toilet. Mm -hmm. Now, unlike a traditional uh, microfinance loan where uh, the borrower purchases a productive asset, a cow, yeah. uh, a kiosk, inventory, mm -hmm. equipment, fertilizer, yeah. the, the toilet mm -hmm. won't earn any money. Mm -hmm. How do they repay that? Yeah. And you've really hit the nail on the head with this because this was the, the, the you know, predominant paradigm, I guess, among microfinance institutions, the argument that you just made is like, why would we make this loan? Because it's not going to be an income generating asset like a sewing machine or a cow or something like that. But what, what we understood, and this is the insight that water.org brings from having worked with, you know, people living in poverty in the context of water and sanitation for decades, is that this can be income enhancing. And, you know, I can give you one example. I, I met a woman, uh, Lena Riza, uh, was her name in uh, Manila, suburb of Manila last year. And she was paying about 100 pesos uh, a day 
uh, in order to get access to water from these water vendors who would come around and sell it in her neighborhood. You know, 100 a day, you know, at 3,000 pesos uh, a month. Uh, you know, I think that's uh, around uh, 1,500, uh, I'm sorry, about, about 50 to $80, something like that, right? And so what she did, she took out a water credit loan and her payments on her loan, plus the small water tariff that she now pays to the utility, is about half of that 3,000 pesos every month. So right there, you can see why this can drive better you know, savings at the household level so that they can, they can actually pay off these loans in a matter of about two years, and then they're free and clear. So there are just countless examples like that around the world because it's such an inefficient system. You know, These coping costs that I mentioned are coming out of the pockets of the poor and just giving them access to finance helps them escape that. Uh, you know, we also have seen people going to loan sharks and paying 125% interest to build a toilet because they value that so much, either from a dignity perspective or a health perspective or a safety perspective. You know, you have a lot of families with young girls who have to go off in the middle of the night, you know, to the riverbank to, de to defecate. And so they value having that toilet so much they're going to loan sharks now and so why don't we just displace that with more affordable loans? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, this problem of uh, hygiene is, is incredibly, uh, incredibly important and, and uh, really, I think, uh, largely overlooked until the last decade or so when people started mm -hmm. talking about it. I'm so glad you're engaging because you are making such a difference in the lives of so many people. Mm -hmm. I, I want to step back, if you'll... Bear with me, Gary, for just one minute. I know no. you probably get asked about Matt all the time, but our, our some of our viewers probably don't know the history. And I wonder if you would just take a minute and mm. explain how you and Matt came to be partners in water.org. Mm -hmm. Well, if, if you go back in history, you know, Water Partners existed uh, back since 1990, and that was the organization I co-founded back then. And Matt, uh, you know, about 12 years ago, co-founded H2O Africa, which was focused on water in, in Africa. And, uh, you know, we were introduced uh, and we saw this synergy right away, right? Because with Water Partners, you know, for years we had been figuring out how do you get projects done on the ground? How do you work with local partners? How do you vet them? How do you monitor them and evaluate them? And H2O Africa had done a great job about kind of getting eyeballs right on this issue, you know, raising some funds from some corporate partners and, you know, using, you know, Matt's celebrity power to draw attention to the issue. So it's like, well, maybe we should partner up. And that's exactly what we did. So uh, with the funds that came to Water Partners through H2O Africa, we got projects done on the ground uh, and then reported back. And then as Matt and I got to know each other better. It's like, well, maybe we don't need two organizations. Maybe we could drive even more efficiency in this if we were to, to merge the two. And so, uh, you know, the 2009 Clinton Global Initiative, uh, we came together with President Clinton and announced that we were going to form water.org. And that was, you know, uh, almost 10 years ago. And, and, and since that time, Matt's commitment has only continued to grow. And uh, he literally has become one of the world's water experts. And, you know, he could be sitting here doing this interview just about as easily as I could be. And I think that's what's, what's great about it is uh, as a celebrity, I think this is a good example too, to all celebrities or people who have that, that, 
presence in the world to, uh, you know, don't just be a spokesperson and kind of jump in for a gala event and, and speak, but really wrap your head around an issue and go deep with it. Uh, and then you can really have a tremendous impact. Gary, you mentioned that you've been at this now for almost three decades. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you most proud of having accomplished? Hmm. I think it's just the the millions of people that have gotten access to to water and sanitation and what that means to them and their family in terms of their their health, in terms of, you know, girls no longer collecting water and now they have time to to go to school. You know, 90% of the borrowers under water credit are actually women. And so you can see that the transformative effect this is having on their lives. So for me, it's, it's seeing all those people get water. But the other side of it for me, it's, it's the heart and it's the head, right? The fact that, you know, we've now leveraged more than a billion dollars in capital that would have otherwise been having, we would have had to raise through charity. You know, having that intellectual challenge of like, not just how do you drill one more well, but how do you solve this crisis for billions of people? And to me, that is the other source of pride in this, is having built a team that can always look for new insights and new ways of, of solving this crisis. And to me, those two, the heart and the head come together and it's, it's a great source of pride for the, the team and myself. As you reflect, what is the most important lesson you've learned? Hmm. I, I guess it's, it's tenacity, right? Uh, you know, having started this from nothing, no startup grant or and no funds at all, and just, you know, some ideas and, and, and some passion. Uh, and, you know, you hear entrepreneurs talk about this all the time. Things always take longer than you, you think they're going to. And uh, it's, it's always more challenging to help others see the world through the lens that you see and to, to take the insights that you know are there and the power that you know are there in those insights and translate that into, uh, you know, uh, an understanding on the part of people who need to help. And, you know, that's the philanthropic community. And that's what we have to do uh, all the time and bring people along. And it's having that tenacity of always saying, you know, we're going to keep trying and keep going harder and faster uh, that, that eventually if you have that good idea, if you have the hard work and you have the tenacity, uh, it's hard to fail. Uh, and I think that's that's what we've demonstrated. Gary, you could have done anything back in 1990 when you started Water Partners. What inspired you to jump into this arena? Because whatever inspired you to do it, uh, obviously you've made great sacrifices and you've stuck with it for nearly three decades. So what was it that got you motivated to do this? Hmm. Well, I, I knew that I wanted to be an engineer, so I was definitely drawn towards engineering. Uh, and then I also had instilled in me this, this drive for social justice by my parents, uh, my, my faith, my, my teachers. And, uh, and so it was, it was really just saying, you know, what's, what's happening in engineering around the world, uh, the engineering might be able to help solve. And then when I discovered that, you know, billions of people without access to water and sanitation, which seemed like a fundamentally an engineering problem to solve, and there's engineering components to it, 
and I kind of laid that against the social justice of it, then I think it all it all came together. It's this whole concept of you know finding your intersection of uh, you know your greatest passion and the world's greatest need. And I think once you find that, uh, you know, the, then I think you never do a day's work in your life. It's just all joy and 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 interesting and fun and and fulfilling. And so uh, it's not it's I mean the, the decades have flown by for me in the work that I do uh, because it it is something that is my passion. Yeah, it's brilliant, Gary. What is your superpower? Hmm. I, I think it it probably does go back to that tenacity, right? Uh, I think that's that's something that's that's been in me uh, for a long time, and. Uh, it's it might be kind of a boring superpower, I guess. But uh, to me, if if I deeply believe that what I'm seeing in the insight is real, uh, and it can be extremely powerful, then I'm not going to give up, right? And and to me, that tenacity of of one just the pure injustice of this, right? That we should have solved water and sanitation more than 100 years ago uh and we still see millions of people dying from water-related disease and not having the dignity of a, of a toilet that to me is just unacceptable and i think that that's what i draw on in terms of tenacity it's like we there's no there's no excuse you know when the solutions are at hand and we know how to solve this there's no excuse for not making it happen and that's the the source uh, of the of the tenacity for me, uh, because we need to do this, and and we can do it in our lifetime. And the, it's so solvable, right? I mean, what we've done is create a system where the poor can now meet us halfway. We don't have to raise a trillion dollars, which is what it would take, uh, in charity to to solve this crisis. We can use that philanthropy catalytically and leverage this capital from the bottom up. And if the poor are out there willing to meet us halfway, then it's even less excusable that that we should not tackle this problem and, and get it done with the wealth that we've been able to concentrate in this world. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Gary, great thoughts to end on. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're frantically busy and appreciate you devoting uh, 30 minutes to this exercise. Before you go, would you take just a moment though and tell people how they can learn more about water.org and water equity, and then so, how they can connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, water.org, I think the name says it all, and people can find out what we're doing to to correct these market failures and to do you know credit guarantees and all kinds of things that we didn't even get to today. And then waterequity.org is where accredited investors can go to to learn about how, how they can invest. And uh, yeah, email me, you know, if you're an accredited investor or somebody who wants to get involved, it's gwhite at water.org. Fantastic. Gary, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's just a joy to catch up and we wish you every success in your efforts to bring water and sanitation to everyone on the planet. Right. Thanks, Devin. Thanks for putting a spotlight on this with us. All righty. Let's do some good. Thanks. A Caring Crowd, we believe everyone has the power to make a difference. Through our crowdfunding platform for community health, we empower passionate people to drive real change. Whether you work for a nonprofit organization, volunteer, or want to get involved for the first time, 
you can post a campaign on Caring Crowd. Join us, because caring is where change begins. Thank you for listening. Devonthorpe's mission is to end extreme poverty, improve global health, and mitigate climate change before 2045 by finding and sharing the stories of those who are doing the most good. You can join with other listeners to accelerate Devon's mission by visiting helpdevon.org right now.